Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Welcome to my latest experiment. This is a big one, the one I've been waiting for all my life. I just want to relax. Nice lukewarm bath. <laughs> I don't know how much longer I can hold this. Sarah Connor. Now look, carnage. Dead. Dead, dude. Well, what's fun about that? Quite sweet, really, aren't they? God, I love this street. Now what? Welcome back to another episode of Darth Vader's Adventures. I have completely taken over Bill Clarence's little adventures. You can't take over my podcast. I thought to create it with the idea of the name. No, your dad did. <laughs> Sheesh. I need what, aren't ya? Get out of her with. Welcome back to Billy Claire's Excellent Adventures. I'm Claire with I'm Claire, the host. Okay, sorry, co-host with my dad. Hello. And my <laughs> mom, who is now a partner. You're not a co-host yet, Miss. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> it's amazing. All of that was wrong. <laughs> I think you're. Uh, I think you went dark side because you 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 killed Vader. You. Out of a possessiveness over the podcast. Yeah, that's a good good point. And then you became very controlling and power hungry. Claire is definitely dark side now. No, you're dark side. I'm rebel side. <laughs> I just I just one of the needy rebels. <laughs> well, they're all very needy. <laughs> I have a bad feeling about this. All right. Okay. So it's it's been a little bit um since uh we've been recording. Thick. Daddy's been recording with his other podcasts. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. cheated on us. I cheated on this podcast with several other podcasts. Um, but no, it's uh, you know, it was December. It's been December. December's a busy time of year. A lot of family stuff. A lot of Christmas stuff. A lot of Hanukkah stuff going on. Um, family get-togethers, presents. Um, it's been an exciting time. So basically, we've had a Christmas break. Exactly. We took. A I bit hope of a you Christmas haven't break. been cheating on us with other podcast listeners. <laughs> maybe they have i don't know um but yeah so uh i think for this episode we're gonna be back we're gonna be talking about um the latest star wars movie the rise of skywalker uh and then after that we'll get back into our uh universal horror dive and finish off with creature from the black lagoon which we're very excited to do and then me. those two are just like meh it's a movie <laughs> I've never seen it. That's wrong. It's wrong. I, everything you just said is wrong. Um, I've never seen Creature, and I am excited to see Creature. And then after we finish uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, we're going to go into our next major project, which is to take up most of January and February, um, which will be a dive into the films of Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, so which we're really looking forward been, to that. Which was making movies around the same time as the Creature Horror Monster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, but gonna, today, what were you saying? I say that we're going to be going back to the like 60s, 70s, 80s. Then we're going to move to the 90s. Then we're going to move to like present. And then we're going to move back to the 90s. It's a whole thing. So basically, the monster series is just the first part of our big, 
of our dive back into back into when movies were like black and white and then turned into color mm-hmm. and so it's basically like a history it's basically our thing is not is it's just mini sub subtalket sub sub topics in a big book called Bill Claire's Excellent Adventures. Don't forget the other chapters. This chapter is called the History Dive. <laughs> and our first and our first paragraph and subtopic was about the was about the um Universal Horror. Universal Horror. And then the next chapter is gonna be about what's his name? Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. Yep. And then and then vampires. That's what I want to be next. I want it to be vampires, but he's say. Well, I think after Alfred Hitchcock, we're going to do some musicals. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but, like Anna and the Apocalypse. Uh, like Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, and so our, our musical dive will not be our first series of musicals. And, you know, I think Claire's big idea is, is looking at the evolution of certain types of characters throughout the years. And so probably uh, what we'll do once we get to that chapter in the bill and claire's excellent adventures book is um say for example take a look at vampires other vampire movies from the 30s and 40s or the 50s and 60s and the 70s and 80s and the 90s and the aughts um all the way up until the 2010s so that we can see what it looks like to be a vampire character through the ages i guess what i'm really curious about though claire is you know we talk about the movies from the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and when i say movies from the 80s and 90s those are the movies that i grew up with as a kid so they don't feel like the past tense to me um they feel very present the movies from the 30s and 40s feel like they're so old to me when we look at movies from the 80s and 90s pretty much all the movies that we watched before we jumped into the universal horror dive do those feel very old to you feel kind of like old modern like they were like the movies were taking place in an old time mm-hmm. but they were kind of like real, but they were kind of like predicting like what the future would be like of mod- of present for me hmm. okay so so not too old so the the the, the difference in the, the color versus the black and white is a big indicator for you and what feels older and what doesn't feel as old Hmm. Okay. So I guess since we're here to talk about Star Wars, I think the thing that I would like to start off with first is not necessarily look at the franchise as a whole, um, but I really am curious, what did you think of the the rise of Skywalker, this singular movie? What did you think about it? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you love it? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? What are your thoughts? Go. Well, it's not a marathon. <laughs> if it was a marathon, you would have done a you would have done a gunshot sound. <laughs> Two, I can say whatever I'm gonna say, whatever, as long as none of you are talking. And three, you don't need to tell me go when I know how to talk. <laughs> I know you know how to talk. I realized that I was giving you a litany of questions all at once. You gotta understand. Yesterday, we recorded, so in real time, yesterday on Sunday, we recorded our In the Mouth of Dorkness Dorkies episode, and that is like a six-hour marathon recording, and in order to keep us on task, Darren, the disco dork, is very much like, okay, uh, indie dork, you go with your number 10 pick. And then after I talk for too long, he's like, oh, okay, uh, 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 wife dork, you go with your number 10 pick. Because otherwise, uh, we will talk for eight or 10 hours. Uh, so even with that kind of handling. But you're right. It's not a marathon. We've got plenty of time. What are your thoughts on The Rise of Skywalker, Claire? Um, well, 
I thought I thought it would it went a complete. It's like if my way was going straight up to the ceiling, the way that it went was straight down to the floor. <laughs> and it, did it you, went a complete opposite way of what I thought was going to happen. And what did you think was going to happen? So what I thought was going to happen is that Ray was going to go through the steps of what happened to Luke in just one movie, like mm-hmm. two. One or two hour movie, but anyways, like I thought that that was gonna was gonna happen was like she would have a big fight with Kylo. Yeah, that's my nickname for him, Kylo. And he um and he like chops off her hand or one of their hand gets chopped off, and then she finds out that Kylo is one of her relatives, and. Those two parts, they did have a big fight, but none of them lost anything. Like when Ray stabs Kylo to kill him, mm-hmm. she immediately heals him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Claire, you should know, uh, wrote me a note on the Alamo order cards mm-hmm. that said at the start of that fight scene, okay, one of them is definitely going to lose a hand. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a big part of the Star Wars sagas. I think episode nine may be the only one where somebody doesn't lose a hand. Well, okay, I was trying to remember this, and, and I can't believe I've blanked on this. In episode seven, doesn't Kylo lose a hand? No. No? No. no he no. just gets slashed in the face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I knew he got hurt, and then I was like, oh my gosh, why can't I remember this? That's a good point, though. Does somebody lose a hand in seven? Maybe not. Or eight, even. Seven, eight, and nine. Maybe nobody loses a hand. Does somebody, did nobody lose a hand in those movies? I don't know. We're embarrassing rough, ourselves rough right Rough track. Now. So what else did you think about the rise of Skywalker? I thought that it was like, I thought that Rey was going to have some crazy, like, weird relationship with the Sith. And I didn't know that it was going to be like, like the Emperor mm-hmm. was her, like the old, like the Emperor that Darth Vader killed mm-hmm. was going to be her grandpa. That was a surprise for you? Yeah, I thought it was going to be something like Darth Vader was her like great, great, great mm-hmm. that. I didn't think that. Palpatine, or however they say it, yep. was going to be your grandfather. So it didn't meet your expectations in in terms of what you expected was going to happen. What did you think about the story that they told? Well, I mean, it kind of felt sad that that Kylo dies right after she finally gets the kiss that she's promised for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, boy, learns. <laughs> I love it. Uh, like when Kylo Ren dies. Oh, hey, by the way, there's going to be spoilers in this episode. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're they're going to happen. So, uh, yeah, and also, uh, uh, Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter. So, uh, those, also a pretty big spoiler. Those are the big. Those are the big spoilers. But also, like, I kind of felt like they should. It's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet story, kind of, mm-hmm. but not like anybody dies because of it. But like, but like what I'm saying is that. Um, the Skywalkers and the Palpatines are kind of the families representing the two sides, yeah. right? It's Palpatine is kind of synonymous with the Sith, and Skywalker is the first name you think of when you think Jedi. I, You know, it's funny because when we left uh, The Rise of Skywalker, I told your mom, I said, that's a Romeo and Juliet story. It's the Romulans and the Capulets. Yes, and then I said, that is totally the wrong name. Yes, Romulans and Capulets. <laughs> not their name. It's it's a Star Trek joke in a podcast about Star Wars. Yeah, it's not allowed. And a Shakespeare joke. That's classic dad humor. Dad humor. <laughs> it's allowed. Um, it's not allowed. Dad humor is forbidden on this podcast, oh. unless if it's from mommy or me. 
Uh, Dad, humor can't be from Dad. <laughs> guarantee you, I am the emperor of this podcast, and uh, you're not the emperor. I will say what will be. This podcast couldn't have happened if I didn't agree. If I didn't agree to do it with you. Uh, that's exactly how Darth Vader felt. I mean, it could, but your dad would sound very silly playing both roles. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm here. Oh, good times. So, um, did you like the 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 way that the love story between Kylo and Rey sort of ends um, at the close of Rise of Skywalker? Were you sad that Kyle that that Ben was dead? Do you think that he should have lived? Like, did did the story make sense to you? I think if he was going to save Rey, they should have made it so that he survived. Because mm-hmm. like Leia goes through all that trouble to. Like, she dies because she's making sure that Ben becomes himself, mm-hmm. like himself again, like how he was before he turned to the Sith side. Mm-hmm. But then, like, after he finally does that, and then he changes, and then he saves Rey, like, there's, it's no, it, it doesn't make any sense to have him die. Basically, he- like, Leia went through all that trouble to save him from the dark side, and then right as she finally does it, he dies. But he couldn't survive. Because if you consider the original trilogy, right? So in Return of the Jedi, at the very end, when um, Luke says to Anakin, Father, I can save you, he says, you already have. Like, being saved from the Sith is much more important than than saving their life. Yeah, I mean, that that has been established already in, in the franchise. Um, and look at, I was thinking about this, because, you know, your dad and I saw it before we saw it all today. So this was my second watch. Um, and I was really considering it as we were watching it. Look at how many people Kylo Ren has murdered brutally. You know, there's no way. And he kills his own father. There's no way that Ben can live with those memories as as a Jedi. Um, it would destroy him. So he has to die. I don't know. I mean... Um... Skywalkers die for other people. That's classically what they do as a family line. Um, <laughs> and I think I think Leia goes through all the trouble because she saves Ben's soul, so he can live and become a Force ghost in their universe and um, not be um, in death still uh, to the dark side of the Force. But like that's a classic Skywalker move. You know, I mean, that's what Darth Vader did, right? Um, which is the most, what Ben Solo is the most like, right? Is Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader, is Ben Solo to Kylo Ren. And at the end of the day, he saves his compatriot. And then he gives his life to do that. Because for them, I think living is about sacrifice. Which... You could sacrifice yourself, or you could be selfish and sacrifice someone else. Right. Exactly, exactly. So I, I think story-wise, it makes a lot of sense, um, at least for what the Skywalkers seem to stand for as a family line, short and sad and dark and twisted as it is. <laughs> You're dark and twisted as it is. That's why I said I'm the emperor of this podcast. You're not the emperor. <laughs> you're, you are the, em- you are the, you are the, like, you're a stormtrooper. <laughs> oh, dare you. You are, though. You are a stormtrooper. You're a faceless, numbered 
sequential. You would be dad. Unimportant character. You would be dad 2.0. So Danielle, what did you think about um, the rise of Skywalker? Did you did you like the story? Did you dislike the story? I loved the rise of Skywalker. I I maybe even loved it even more on second watch, which I didn't think was possible. Um, I it was everything that I have been waiting for in a Star Wars movie through all three prequels and um, all of the sequels. It it was absolutely amazing, and I loved it. I cried both from sadness and happy tears. Um, Star Wars has been a huge part of my life. It was my favorite movies when I was a kid. Um, it, it I have some of my best memories are um, pretending to be a wampa because that's the kid that I was. I, all most of the kids pretend oh, to man, be that Jedi. Makes so much sense, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I was gonna be the wampa, um, which is the abominable snow creature, Claire, that eats people. Um, but yeah, that was because it's called the Wookiee, which is what Henry McComas. Are you, were you going to talk about the Wolfman's Got Nards guy talking about his rise of the Wakampa story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Henry McComas. Yeah, yeah. When we when we talked about Wolfman's Got Nards, he pitched the idea of uh, talk about him a lot, even though we're not even doing his episode. Yeah, because he had a great Star Wars idea. The rise of the Wakampa needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. And then it's like, and then it's like they like they had showed like. Him, because if he had sh- told the idea to the to Disney slash Lucasfilm, they probably would have incorporated that into their final movie. Like half of the ships or something was Wakampas, and then they make a movie like way later for some strange reason about the about the rise of the Wakampas, and then how they and then how half of the fleet is Wakampas destroying the the empire who kept them apart making them think each other was terrible all right all right we're we're off track because your mom left off at i dress i played imaginary wampa 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 yeah um and i had uh you know claire and her sisters collect american girls and lol dolls and all these kinds of toys and i know you had transformers as a kid um i had Star Wars action figures. I had the entire original set. Um, I had the speeder and Luke as a Jedi and Luke as a pilot and Luke as a teenager and all of the different versions of Leia and Chewbacca and everybody. Um, And because I was never like a cool kid, I never really grew out of my Star Wars uh, fascination. It just sort of transitioned when it wasn't really cool to cover yourself in bubbles and pretend to be a wampa. Um, because you were a little too old for that. Um, I would go. You to, still do that? I I do, but you're not supposed to tell people that. Oh, uh, thanks, Billy. I'm not editing that out. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, I would go to to uh, Disney's um Hollywood Studios and ride the um Star Wars ride over and over and over again. I had a um Jedi X-wing pilot hat that I wore everywhere until it fell apart. Um, and I read all the books and everything. So, you know, I was just this quintessential fan. And when I found out that they were making more movies, I was so excited. And the prequels came out and I was like, I really want to love these, but I don't at all. Um, and I've, I've softened up to them over the years. I still really do not care for the first one very much, but um, episodes two and three, I can I can watch and enjoy, even though they just weren't really what I wanted them to be. And then when The Force Awakens came out, I had I needed like some time to adjust 
because I had read all the books that were that were part of Star Wars canon and now are no longer. Um, and so in the books, uh, Han and Leia are married and they have three children, not one. None of them are named Ben. You know, so I had to kind of like almost grieve a little bit for characters that I loved that had just been written out of the story. But I enjoyed the movie, and so that was kind of a conflict emotionally for me. Um, and then episode eight, I really fell in love with um, the new characters, and I think largely because of Poe Dameron. Um, his uh, humor and wit is so fun, and it, it reminded me so much of Han in the original um, trilogy that I was really starting to fall in love with these characters um, and then this movie was just everything that I have been wanting for the last, you know, 30 years. So I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Would not change anything except maybe a bigger part for Rose. I think that Rose already had a big part because she was the one who goes over the Comcast and says and is showing that like Finn is deciding to sacrifice himself rather than sacrifice all the people who was on that slider. And then the girl does it with him. So I think Rose already has a gigantic part in the story. I don't I wanna change her part at all. Unless if when Leia dies, she becomes the like co commander, I guess. Like like there was this guy who was like who was like managing the big the green screen that had like the all like the techie stuff on it about the things I would put Rose there that would be the only thing that I would change of Rose's part hmm. that have like Rose more the story but I wouldn't change her part uh about what I'm thinking of you of what you're thinking of changing her part I'm saying definitely not hmm. but if you're just talking about having her talk more in the movie and be more of it then I agree with you yeah, so I think I agree that Rose plays an important role still and her actions in the movie still matter and she's clearly in a leadership position. You know, my big problem with it is that she doesn't talk enough and that they don't include her talking enough, especially given how big her role was in episode eight. I think that's a bummer. Um, I mean, some episodes... Like, for example, in the Fuller house, they have a new baby, which is a big, important part of it, but they rarely ever show the baby. It's more about the grown-ups' problems than the baby, and it, and the baby has a big role, and the very first, maybe in the first, in the first or maybe second episode of the fifth season, the baby is a big part, but then the rest of them, the baby just shows up every now and then. Mm -hmm. So I think that'll happen to characters. Like, they're a big, important part in, like, the first or second show or episode or movie or chapter in the book, and then they just, like, go away for a couple chapters, episodes, or movie parts. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there's some awkwardness there because J.J. Abrams directs and creates the story for The Force Awakens. Then Ryan Johnson creates and directs the story for The Last Jedi. And then J.J. Abrams comes back for The Rise of Skywalker to wrap up the story. And, you know... Wait, there's no more Star Wars movies? uh, To wrap up... Well, I mean, they're describing The Rise of Skywalker as the end of the Skywalker saga, which is a really strange thing to say, considering that I'm pretty sure Daisy Ridley is going to make more Star Wars movies, and she's self-identified now as Rey Skywalker. So, 
Disney's going to do whatever Disney's going to do with this property. I have no idea where they're going to go in the future. None whatsoever. Um, I just know how they're talking about it. Wait, um, but does that mean if there's no more Skywalker parts, doesn't that mean that all the ghosts in the beginning is not going to show up in the in the next m- movies? Yeah, I kind of think for them, this what they're trying to do is wipe the creative slate clean and go forward with the Star Wars universe however they want or see fit when they do and not feel like they have to be tethered to what's come before. So now anything can happen. We could have more Rey Skywalker movies increasing the Jedi where they could go in a totally different direction and give you completely other stories, uh, not at all about the Skywalkers. Um, but what I was going to say is, you know, um, Ryan Johnson didn't use uh, several of, you know, the J.J. Abrams characters that were there. Um, uh, and, you know, they kind of disappear, which is awkward because all those people are on this base. And then all of a sudden in episode eight, it's the whole fleet is there, but they're missing a couple of these key characters who come back in episode nine. And it's for like, example, where did those people go? For example, where did the guy, in the where did the yellow guy come from? Like the alien, that was an added character who wasn't in there in the in the in episode eight. Yeah, and he came out of nowhere. Yeah, I He's agree. He's just on the ship. Yeah, like yeah. they don't even show I don't a part even of them. They gave finding. him a name, did they? I swear to God, it was Carl, but I don't think that's I don't right. Think it was Carl. <laughs> it wasn't Carl, but he does have a name. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, uh, Poe, when they're, when the, at the very beginning, when he goes by him, he says, character name, did you fix the hyperdrive thing? And the character name goes, uh, uh. right. And so like, he's important enough to be flying with the central crew on the crucial mission on the Falcon, yeah. but, he, but he's not a character that did bother me a little bit. Yeah. So I like, I'm. You know, so Claire, I don't think that you would know this, but after The Last Jedi came out, there were a lot of people who loved Star Wars who were um, who really didn't like that particular movie. And uh, that's fine. I mean, you don't have to like or not like any particular movie. But one of a very small group of people who were extremely loud about their very specific dislike uh, complained that Rose Tico, Kelly Marie Tran, um, had too big of a role in what they saw as their Star Wars movie. You're making a frowny, shocked face. What What's going through your head when I say that? Without her? Like, I totally disagree with those people. And I am calling you out on this. Me? I know it. No, the people oh, were... Yeah, I disagree with them too. Okay, I'm good. totally calling you out <laughs> on what I'm about to say, and you should feel offended. <laughs> All right. You guys are totally wrong. Without Rose, that movie, everybody probably would like, like this movie would that movie would have gone a complete different way mm-hmm. if there was no Rose. Do you like the Rose Tico character? I love her. What what works? She's, she's for not you? better than Ray, though. I'll, I'll admit that. <laughs> but Rose is second. Rose is second. What do you like so much about Rose's character? Rose is like, Rose is like, um, she has some connections with family, kind of like Ray, mm-hmm. where her family has died. Or like, cause like Ray finds out that her family all died, mm-hmm. to, just like they sacrificed themselves for her. And so I think that Rose, that Rose, I was about to say Rose, Rose and Ray would probably be like, in the next movie, be like friends. But I think without her, Ray probably would have been like a little like, like, 
I wouldn't say misguided because she still has other friends, but I think that Rose is going to become an important character in the next movie mm-hmm. if there is an if there is another one. So you you is. you relate to Rose's struggle with having to come to terms with family who sacrifice themselves. Yeah. Which is a a major Star Wars trope. I mean, we already talked about that with the Skywalker bloodline like um she definitely fits in that. I think that Rose's character in episode 8 is the most similar of any of the new people to Leia in the original trilogy because she is the only one that does not have any like force you know, sensitivity or anything like that. She has no superpowers at all and yet is 100% dedicated to the cause, um, even willing to give her own life. Uh, her sister gives her life for the cause and that does not, you know, shake her resolve or anything like that. She is 100% brave, um, dedicated, and someone you can rely on and totally motivated by the right reasons. And that's Leia in the original trilogy. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I mean, Leia does have the Force in the original trilogy. But she doesn't know that. You know, she doesn't discover that. But they kind of show some essence of her having the Force, but they never show any essence about about Rose having the Force. So I think that's, like, really the only thing that's different about that. In the original trilogies, they show Leia having a little, like, a little... Well, Leia feels some presences in um, the uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, But before that nothing force wise for her um that that all comes out of left field in the story i think you could say that but i think totally different (laughs) fair enough (laughs) like you didn't notice some of the parts of the story where they pretty much show it as it's like she might have the force Mm -hmm. because like they say that anakin had the force luke has the force I think they say at some point her mom had the yeah. force my, or something like that. My father had it. My what does he say? My my he says he my says, mother had it. Didn't no, he? he says my father had it. I, I have it. it. My sister has it. And Leia goes, ah, oh, dude, we made out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I should not have kissed you then. Gross. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I find your perspective, Claire, on the Star Wars universe to be very interesting because you have not existed in a world where all of this stuff wasn't just already out there. Like, I, I do feel like it's impossible for you to look at the original Star Wars trilogy in the same way that your mom and I looked at it when we first were introduced to those movies. Um, you know, because when we see it, it's uh, a farm boy and a princess on an adventure to save the day in episode four. Um, episode five, things don't go right and the hero's journey is all broken and he finds out that his dad is the biggest villain in the universe. Um, well, not the biggest. The emperor's big. Well, right. But yeah. And then in episode six, they're like, oh, do you remember the emperor, dude? He's actually a real emperor and he's like a big deal. And Darth Vader isn't the biggest person. There's somebody over him. And we need the Emperor because otherwise Darth Vader's not going to be able to turn good because you can't just be the Emperor and go, I'm good now. (laughs) You have to overthrow something more evil than you. Um, And that's why the Emperor exists in the story. But for for you, 
You know, the emperor's think, always been a part of the story. I think that the emperor, I think that it's a different way. I think they introduced the emperor mm-hmm. because they were having a thought about in the next series, like the next generation, one of the characters was going to be a very awesome Jedi who had his powers that it turns out he's his grandfather or dad. Mm-hmm. Like that's her or his mom, I mean dad or grandfather or something like that. I think I think that's one of the main reasons they introduced him to the story because like she could she would she would have a less of a big role mm-hmm. if she didn't have like his powers and But such. that just makes sense to you based on how the story has gone, right? Like it seems like that. Yeah. How do you think that say for example the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all of the Marvel movies, do those feel the same to you in terms of story like Star Wars does? I don't understand your question. Can you? Um, I think so. I I understand your, what your question was. Well, what Is do you think like- I mean and, and how do you agree? I think you mean that is the story of how people die and sacrifices and saving people the same? Or is it completely different? What are the similarities? And I think that it's like basically the main, like the main originality, like the core of the, of the earth that they would have, the core would be kind of the same, but then the people and the trees and the plant and like the, the, the people, the plants, how the, how the, how it works. The ecosystem. Is complete, yeah. The ecosystem is different from each other, mm. even though the core is the same. Yeah. I, I could see that. I also think that like Thanos and the emperor and like Thanos and the emperor are the same mm-hmm. because Thanos is on a strive for power. Thanos is on a strive for power. Mm-hmm. That's all he wants power and to do something. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I think he said to kill half of the generation of people yep. who weren't grateful or something like that. Yep. And then the emperor just wants to kill. He just wants to kill and be the most powerful person in the universe and be the most feared. And I think they kind of have the same, like, core if they were a planet. Mm-hmm. I, that's, I, yes, I agree with all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's, it's not quite what I was getting at. I, in, in my mind, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is very, tightly knit storytelling and it's very deliberate that one movie feeds another movie feeds another movie and they set up plot payoffs that start five movies ago and pay off in Avengers Endgame but for me Star Wars is not like that yeah like they like they gave an important part to the to the first episode Mm -hmm. like way later like they're like they're like 20 30 something years later 42 years between the release of star wars episode 4 and star wars episode 9 i was saying that i was talking about the movie that the movie that where they get the death star plans i was talking about that movie. rogue one yeah what about it i'm not sure why you're bringing i was that saying up. that because like because without that movie, mm-hmm. they never would have gotten the plans. But then, like, without those people, they never would have gotten the plans. Mm-hmm. But then they put the movie way later than the original episode. Mm-hmm. And they just start from the point where she's, like, captured. What do you think about that? Well, actually, it's kind of different. How do you mean? Uh, because, like, they end where Leia gets away on her ship. Mm-hmm. But then they start where Leia was still captured. Mm. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think the end of Rogue One is Leia's ship getting away from um, Scarif, which is where the battle takes place at the end of uh, Rogue One. And episode four picks up when the Empire intercepts Leia's ship over Tatooine. So it is hours later that that this is happening. I just thought of something really... Which is, well, I was going to say, which is just real quick, which is really when Leia's like, this is a consular ship uh, and I'm a consular, like, I, you know, like, it, it's a pretty brash lie. Because, like, that is the ship that literally left the battlefield of Scarif. And they're like, we're on a diplomatic mission. And Vader's like, oh, my God, you guys, this, this is the best that you can do? Well, I mean, there are lots of ships of that variety, and they don't have license plates. So maybe yeah. they're just hoping that. But I, I do like, Claire, how, you know, you look at the Star Wars universe as, like, this very um, um, nice like sort of a uh, storyline that's all tied together and kind of makes sense the way that they're relating it. Do you feel like the rise of Skywalker was a good end to those Skywalker stories all the way from the beginning? Or do you feel like they did a bad job with that? Bad job. Why do you say bad job? Because I think that Leia should have been like the only character who survives because she wasn't one of the original. Like I'm saying she is the original character, but she wasn't always a main character. Mm-hmm. I think she should have survived like for like a couple more episodes and then she like disappears like Luke did. Then they bring her yeah. back in like three more episodes and she finally dies like Luke did. So that it's kind of like the same story. Well, the part of the problem with that is that in real life, the actress who plays... Um, yeah. Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher, she passed away in 2016. And um, a lot of her scenes in this movie are digitally created uh, images of her so that they could um, have her character appear in the movie, even though um, the, the actor that played her had, had passed away. But what about her sound? Like, did a person play her, but then they, like, but then they, like, took the old person's sound? I think they remixed. There's a lot of Carrie Fisher recordings out there in the world. And so I think they were able to remix her stuff. I think that they had also shot some of her scenes um, and were able to work with what they had and then create what they needed with voice samples and, and digital characters with the rest. She also, if I remember correctly, she died during the filming of episode eight. So they would have had raw footage that they could have made a decision with at that point. Like, okay, no, we're going to hold on to this yeah. until episode nine. They're yeah. not getting any more. And, I mean, the, the writer of Rise of Skywalker has attributed the smaller role of Rose Tico in that to be that they had decided to use Rose's character to be sort of next to Leia in the leadership role all the time. And when they couldn't, make some of Leia's scenes work with the digitizing that they were doing that it didn't meet their quality standards that they had to lose those scenes from the movie and so they lost a lot of Good Rose, Rose Tico scenes. scenes because of that take that explanation for what it's worth I, I mean you know um, but so that's but that's that's why they had I think that's why they made the choice that um, Leia would um, pass on in this particular movie um, but I think overall, in the direction that Disney wants to take the Star Wars universe, it's really tough to be beholden to so much of a giant 
uh, story that's come before you that it feels really complicated to tell those stories. And, you know, Danielle, like you were saying, when you watched The Force Awakens, you felt like they had taken away a lot of canon. Between the prequels and The Force Awakens, there's decades, really, of written canon material that Lucasfilm had approved as these are things that happened in the Star Wars universe. And I can't imagine being a writer being brought onto the project to go, do I adapt this story? And then if I adapt this story, or is this all of these books is what we're going to do for the next 30 years of Star Wars stories? And they had to make a choice. Um, and so I think they decided to cut that out. And I think that's the same philosophy that leads them to sort of shuffle off a lot of the main characters that were happening in the previous. And I mean, as a Star Wars fan, I I think like I understand the pragmatism behind that choice making. And I, I really don't think Star Wars has ever been more about um, you know, pragmatic money making choices anyways. Like that's really what drives that entire <laughs> uh entire creative line. Um but it bums me out, you know, to know that that's kind of gone away. I mean, all those books are still there and you can still read them and they're still enjoyable and, and that, you know, they don't not exist now. Um, but it does make me wonder what it means to be a Star Wars fan anymore. What does that mean? Am I a Star Wars fan? Like, you know, in, in 2000 and in, in 1999, it was easy to say that you were a Star Wars fan because... I read the canon, I knew all the books and the comic books and the characters, and I'd watched the movies. Um, And so I had invested in a world that they had created, and I was a fan of that world. And now the world is changing very dramatically. And am I a fan of that same world? Am I the same kind of Star Wars fan if I love that? I think that Claire's Star Wars fandom is different than than yours and mine, um, necessarily. I agree with that. I also think it may go the way of Marvel to some extent. Like, I consider myself a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I would never claim to be a Marvel comic book fan, even though I enjoy the comics, because I don't have that kind of time devoted to that. I have not. I have not. I'm just saying I haven't earned that cred. I have not read nearly enough of those comics to justify saying like, oh, yeah, well, I'm a fan. Hang on. I want to explore that, what you're saying right there with Claire for a second, because you what, what your mom just said was she had a, she hasn't earned that cred to say that she is a Marvel Comics fan by putting in the time reading Marvel Comics. Do you agree with that? Do you think that you have to put in a certain amount of time to be a fan of something? I mean... You don't have to put in time, but you could take away your Facebook time and read those comics. Oh, shots fired. I I completely (laughs) agree with Claire. Nobody has enough time to consume everything that is out there. We all make choices. You know, I have read Little Women multiple times. I have read Pride and Prejudice like 30 times. Every single time I reread one of those books, I was making an active choice not to consume, you know, something else. Um, and so, and everyone does that and everybody decides, okay, I want to read DC comics, so I'm not going to read Marvel or vice versa or whatever the situation is. Um, and, and it is a choice that you make and I think that's fine. I don't think there's like a right or wrong answer to that. But how much time do you have to invest in something before you are allowed to call yourself a fan of it? I would say that you, that if you were, that if you weren't talking about time and you were talking about books, you would have to read up to the point where the end game starts. Because of the, well, the, well, like Thanos Wars, what I like to call it. You have to read up until those parts, unless, otherwise you know, 
Otherwise, you won't really know what's happening and stuff if you haven't re- if you haven't watched the movies. So if you haven't consumed all of the kind of the, the major storylines, you feel like you can't call yourself a fan of something. I say that if you haven't if you haven't watched, for example, you can't call yourself you can't call yourself a comics fan, but you can't call yourself a Marvel fan. Because you have seen all the movies, mm-hmm. or almost all of them, no, I guess, I, the Marvel totally... stuff. But you probably mm-hmm. haven't read a lot of those comics. Interesting. I've read a lot of I've read a lot of those comics, and but I have but I haven't watched a lot of the movies. Like I've watched the main ones where like they come together, and like I've watched the Iron Man series, and I've watched the Hulk series. But I haven't really watched a lot of the Marvel stuff compared to what you probably have. I would say you've seen three quarters of the Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I totally agree with, with what I think Claire was saying, which is that you need to have consumed at least one complete story. Like, yeah. whether it be this is the film line, which is what I consumed, or if it's a comics, you know, I've read all of, you know, this particular line of Spider-Man or whatever – like to be a fan, you loved it enough that you kept consuming as new ones kept coming out until there were no more, at least in that particular line. If there are a hundred, you know, comics available in this particular storyline and you read four of them and then went, eh, I'm going to read something else. I don't know that that constitutes a fan. Hmm. If you were a fan, you would have you would have read all hundred in probably like a week and be like, put out more books. I feel like right now, like I'm Luke Skywalker and you guys are both Ben Solo. Like, I've just failed you both so horribly. <laughs> Your ideas of fandom are so um, restrictive and rigid. Um, you know, what if somebody came up and said to you that they were a fan of Star Wars and you said, what did you think of Rogue One? Isn't it amazing that scene at the end? And they were like, what's a Rogue One? Would you say that they're not a fan? I would say that they weren't a, a tiny fan. <laughs> because they weren't keeping up with all the movies in time. So you would say that you would judge them as a bad fan for missing out. No. I'm saying like based on what YouTube says, if you haven't watched like for example, YouTube like some YouTube, one of my favorite YouTubers, they like to take they like to take movies and give you personality tests or like tests to see if you've watched to see if you're a true fan. Oh my god! And I wouldn't call, and I would not call people who haven't heard of Rogue One a true fan, but I would call them a fan. Well, let me, I, I, I can see I'm not going to change your mind on the spot here. That's okay, but let me just pose to you an idea that all of these movies are interesting in some way to somebody. And every movie, every movie ever made is somebody's favorite movie. And there are plenty of people who have a Star Wars movie that is their favorite movie, and they don't like any of the other Star Wars movies. And if they came to me and said, I love this Star Wars movie, do I love some things that are Star Wars, does that make them a bad fan? In my book, no. It makes them somebody who loves this very small aspect of something. But then they're not a fan of Star Wars. They're a fan of Rogue One or a mm. fan of Solo or a fan of whatever. No, I guess I just disagree. I don't I don't want to put... What I don't like to do is put a line on... Hold up. ...what somebody loves or doesn't love and how they see themselves. Stop the record right here. 
we haven't talked anything about the episodes of the Star Wars universe, which is which is all about how Luke gained, like how Luke controls himself, I guess, where he's like, where it's like a complete, where it's like a not complete different, but it's a different story, and we haven't talked about any of that. Those episodes are probably important to the stories because they're like about like they're. I don't know what his name is, but like the blind guy, and then they're about a girl, and about a girl with like green things, and then um, a girl. Rebels. You're talking about Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. If you haven't like like we haven't talked about any of those episodes, and like y- like you have to have watched that to understand. I feel like you have to have watched that to understand some movies. I agree. Um, but what I what I, I think it's also important to keep in mind is that ultimately all of these movies are designed to want you to invest your time in them. And time in the instance of entertainment is the same as money. And all of these companies that are making these pieces of entertainment want you to pay to participate in them. And so when you say... You can't be a true fan unless you've read all of these things. What you're really saying is you can't be a true fan unless you've paid the right amount of money to Disney or Lucasfilm or any of that. And I fail to see how that's different from Scientology. Calm down, Karl Marx. People have libraries. (laughs) Libraries still pay money to Disney in order to get access to those uh, particular episodes or books. But it removes the barrier to entry for the common man, which is what you're talking about. Um, I didn't own the original Star Wars films. I rented them and then bootlegged my own copy like every other red-blooded American. Well, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Giant, massive VHS libraries of recorded tapes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Didn't everybody own two VCRs so that they could rip movies? Like, yes, obviously. Exactly. (laughs) And and the overwhelming majority of the Star Wars books that I owned had some library stamp in them because I stole them. Like, I, you know. All right, all right, all right. I didn't have a ton of money. I've exposed Claire to my uh, socialist thinking as far as it goes to Star Wars fandom and what it means to be a fan. And and if there is such a thing as true fans, I guess we feel differently about that. That's okay. Um, But we've been kind of going on for a little bit. Um, What haven't we talked about that we should talk about in terms of the Rise of Skywalker as we think about closing out the conversation? Ray. I, okay, what about Ray? Her end scene. What okay. did you think of her end scene? It was very different. Like I said a note to you that said I think that she should like take the throne, but like she shouldn't kill him and take the th- like she doesn't kill him and takes the throne and that she orders all the all the empire to to re- to rebel into the rebellion and then just let the just let the Sith and the Empire and the First Order and the Final Order die, and then Rey like leads them all into the path of the rebellion. So, in in your ideal ending, Rey would be the good Empress of the universe. Yes. My God. What? Straight to the dark side. Mm-hmm. Didn't even <laughs> hesitate. How? That's a lot of power, don't you think? For any Absolute one person power to, corrupts. to handle? Absolutely. 
I mean, Ray had all that power with the force and the electric stuff, and she didn't let it corrupt her, even when she wasn't. Uh, excuse me, she blew up a ship that one of her best friends she thought was on. Just to win a tug of war with Kylo Ren. It was an accident. But that's exactly the point. You can't have that kind of power without a series of those kinds of accidents that will eventually poison you. Poison? Yeah, like corrupt you, change you. Against your will, but change you. I think that's part of a lot of what the Star Wars universe works through. And and, and it, it's really dealing a lot with ideas of when you have power, what do you do with that power? Um, and how can you use power responsibly without causing harm? And, you know, Luke's answer to power is to not use it. And he recognized that he is a fallible human being who will make mistakes, and he has too much power. And so his choice is to no longer participate in these events because he feels like he can't not break them and not make mistakes that will cause those problems. Um, Ray's answer is to push ahead anyways and try and find a solution that will allow her to keep her soul and save the day. I mean, no, she doesn't. She goes back to the island that Luke went. Yeah, she tries to do Luke's choice, and Luke explains to her why that didn't work, why that won't work for her. In episode five, you know, Luke is told that he has to confront Vader in order to really become a Jedi. And it, it isn't because Vader's sort of the big bad in that world, it's because Vader is his greatest weakness. The idea that his dad is this villain that he hated and wanted to defeat because he hated it. Um, if he can't come to terms with who Vader is as a person and his relationship to him, then he can't be at peace with himself or with anybody around him because there's so much conflict on the inside of him. Rey can't be a Jedi and she can't be at peace with herself until she confronts Palpatine because that is the thing that is defining her whether she wants it to or not. I mean, that's not. her parents. Her parents is what's defining her. Yeah. Well, for all those years, she was counting the days b- until her parents came back to get her from the trading post. I agree. I agree. And her, her parents were good people, but she is still the granddaughter of Palpatine. And as passionately as she wants to believe that she is the hero of her story and her parents love her and they're coming back to get her, She doesn't know any of those things. And when she learns that Palpatine is her grandfather, literally the greatest evil in the universe is her blood relative. And, you know, I don't know how I would handle knowing that my blood relative was a a horrible human being. Um, But I think it's inescapably true that the choices that your grandparents have made and your great grandparents have made have shaped you, whether you want them to or not. Because of the choices my grandparents made, we are where we are right now. I've played a role in where we are by making choices, um, but they set that life path for me 50 years ago. By choosing to move from Florida to Virginia, we don't have to deal with hurricanes because we decided to stay living in Florida with family. That's sure. Yes. In that way. Yes. The our future is shaped by our past. And I think that's something that Ray has to confront as a person before she can be at peace with herself. Never mind being a Jedi. If she just sits on that island, 
especially an island where there is a dark side force that's going to constantly talk to her while she's there, she will stew in her resentment of being a Palpatine forever. And she will sour because of that. Sour? She'll go bad. She'll um, become corrupted by it. She'll become anger. She'll become embittered. She'll become what that vision was at the Death Star. Yeah, why not? But also, I don't think she could have as sharp teeth as that. Like, who has snake teeth to hiss at people? <laughs> well, I guess Dark Side Ray does. She files down her teeth to be the empress of the universe. <laughs> um, what else should we get into? Anything in particular? I was hoping that we could talk about the kiss at the end. Sure. Um, Claire, did you notice that uh, Leia's friend and confidant, who I don't know their name, do you know what the the blonde lady's name is? No. Okay. Well, at any rate, at the very end of the film, uh, Leia's friend, who has blonde curly hair, um, embraces a female uh, X-Wing pilot and kisses her on screen for just like half a second. Did you see that? Yeah. Okay. I was trying to talk to you about that. That's why I kept like nudging you and saying like, look at this. Oh, that's what you're... (laughs) Everything Claire loved, she wanted to comment on, as she does. But the we were in the um, Dolby Theater, you know, with lots of uh, sound, and I could not hear anything she was saying. And I kept saying, I don't know what you're saying. Um, but at any rate, it's I know uh, I've seen some buzz online that Kiss has generated some controversy because, you know, there are people who don't want a same-sex couple kissing in a family movie like Star Wars. And then you have a whole lot of people um, sort of on the other end of the spectrum who are frustrated that that the kiss was so brief and only on screen in the background um, and among characters that nobody knows their names. Um, and so I'm just curious what you think about that. Mm, I think they kind of could have done without it. Like, this is not... Like, if they were going to have it, they probably should have, like, made it, like, a little closer to the front. Because it's really right next to the X-Wing, or whatever wing it was. And... So your problem with the relationship and the kiss is that there's no relationship front and center. And that the kiss shouldn't have been in the background of something that was going on. It should have been right in front of you as major characters. Well, I wouldn't say major characters, but I would have said they could have been closer to where the camera was. Mm -hmm. Instead of that far back. What if they had revealed that Finn and Poe felt a romantic love for each other? Who's Poe? The pilot. With the curly black hair that's with Finn through most of the movie? At the very end, Ray, Finn, and Poe are the ones hugging. Oh. Yeah. That guy. I, I thought I thought you were talking about the girl with who was riding the horse, and I was like, No, 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 no. Yeah, what if they had revealed that Finn and Poe were in a romantic relationship? Is he? Are they? I'm asking you. Would you? Would you? Would that make sense to you? Would that be okay? I don't really like the the fact of that, since he's like the through the entire movie, he's giving like romantic looks at 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 another girl, Mm -hmm. and then they reveal that he actually likes this guy. I don't like it. I because it's too much misdirection with the looking at. Um, the women in the movie? Yeah. That, that So, I see, yeah. And what if I told you that there are people who like both men and women? I know that. Right, so what if Finn likes men and women and Poe likes men and women? 
and who they really love are each other. Well, I mean, they really don't normally misdirect us, unless if that's going to, like, become a big role. Like, they're always <laughs> saying that Vader killed his father, and in the end, Vader does kill his father, but in a different way. I love, I love that your objection to their relationship is that there's just... Not enough straightforward romance to it. That it's that's that's the core problem. That they should have been more obvious that they were going to be a couple through the series. Interesting. Yeah. I I actually fully agree with Claire. I don't like what they're doing with Finn's character because in episode eight it kind of seems like they're maybe setting up a romance between Finn and Rose. Uh, the whole when they're sinking in this movie and he's like, "I never told you." I felt at least like they were implying that Finn has feelings for Ray. Uh, and then I then there's this new character that he encounters that he obviously has a strong connection with. Um, and so that's three different potential romantic partners for Finn, not including Poe, which is who I personally would have rather him. What do you think, with? Claire, that Finn wants to tell Ray through the course of the movie? He says, Ray, I have to tell you something. What do you think he wants to tell her? I think. Like in the in when he meets Ray, when he meets Ray, he's like, he's like looking in another. He like, he knows something obviously. Mm-hmm. He obviously like com- knows something about her because he's always like, he's always looked at her with the with the like a, with like he's trying to not show that he's a little weird about it. <laughs> and so like he was going to tell her before she found out like terribly that something that there was something going on mm-hmm. and then he was like wait ray i never told you that like palpitated your grandpa or something like that mm-hmm. where your parents died by the guy we're trying to find who has our clue for the way to the so you don't think that finn wants to tell ray that he loves her that you yeah. don't think that's what's going on you think no. it's something else yeah yeah i i think it's that he's force sensitive Oh, I mean, he definitely is. So What's that, force sensitive? Force sensitive in the Star Wars universe um, would mean that you have the ability to use the force, but you haven't been trained. So you're not a Jedi. You're not a Sith, but you can feel the force around like you. Leia? Yeah, like Leia? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah so Leia pre-training. So yeah. you're force sensitive. So remember in the final battle where Finn's like, that ship, and they're like, how do you know? And he's like, I just know. Um, that's It's because he can feel the force. I, I think J.J. Abrams has come out and said that the Force-sensitive read is the one that he endorses of that, and I think it may be in some of the like the extra lookbook prints that they did for um, uh, the, the Rise of Skywalker. But that is how I interpreted it the first time that I watched it, because there's all that conversation about the other kids that were taken that at the same time that there's just a bunch of Force-sensitive kids that were mixed into this batch of people that were abducted by the First Order. Um, so I, I thought he doesn't want to say it around Poe because he wants to just have that conversation one-on-one with Ray. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I don't know if they know that going into it or, but that was, that was my read on it. Um, but you know, uh, so just to tell you, Claire, um, the, the guy that plays Poe, Oscar Isaac has said in interviews that in his own head, when he's playing the character, whether it's on the page or not, He's thinking, I love Finn, and Finn loves me, and we're in a relationship together. That's in his head. That's what he's thinking. Poe? Yeah. The actor that plays Poe. 
which you could take that for what you want. I mean, the actors put a lot of um, subtext into their roles and, and it informs the choices that they make while they're on screen. Um, but uh, Oscar Isaac has said, yeah, 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 I, I buy into that. And I don't know if that position of his has evolved through the, the four or five years that this has been ongoing. So take it for what you will. All right. Well, I think that we've really talked a lot about the rise of Skywalker and mm-hmm. um, I don't really have very much else to say. Does anybody have any closing thoughts before we wrap up the episode? Um, are you guys excited for future Star Wars movies going forward? Danielle, shoulder shrug. I Yes and no. I'm I'm I love Star Wars. I'll see anything that they put out that they claim is Star Wars. Um, oh shoot! <laughs> I, I will. Oh. Um, the claim is Star Wars. So Disney's not making Star Wars movies. No, that's not. That isn't what I'm saying. All I'm right. getting to that. Um, because I've seen a lot of people talking, and you and I have talked about this a little bit um, off the air about, um, you know, can there be films that are Star Wars universe that don't feature any Jedi or Force stuff? Like the Wakampas. Um, sure, like the Wakampas. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of, I have a lot of feelings about that. So I, I'm kind of like, well, okay, I would have to see that. Uh, but don't you love decide. the Mandalorian? Well, see, I was getting to the Mandalorian. So You don't love the Mandalorian? It, no, it's very confusing for me because I do. The only part you love about the Mandalorian is baby not Yoda? Oh, my gosh. But I love Baby Not Yoda so hard. You're such a bad Star Wars fan. No, I'm not. I'm an amazing <laughs> Star Wars fan. Um, Baby Not Yoda is his name. No, he doesn't have. He's called the Foundling, um, or the Child. But the entire internet calls him Baby Yoda because he looks like a baby. He's Yoda. the same species as Yoda, but, but he's not. The, a, but he's not Yoda. Right. But exactly. I mean, he could so be. It could be. Look, the it, internet is a very simple place. It looks like Yoda. Therefore, it's Baby Yoda. Yeah. So I I enjoy watching The Mandalorian very much. Um, I'm excited for the new one to come out, and it's great. I think if you removed the foundling from The Mandalorian story, I would not watch it, number one. Um, Which kind of speaks to me of, like, I can't handle Star Wars without Jedi stuff. Um, And then number two, there is a very unique um, feel to the Mandalorian, it's very dystopian. It's very dark, mm-hmm. um, which kind of seems weird to say because a lot of the Star Wars movies, um, especially the original trilogy, they definitely have hive of villainy and scum. Right, exactly. Like Tatooine is very dystopian. Um, you know, Hoth is literally a frozen wasteland. Like I, but they still, they just felt different. And this one is right on the edge of being too dark for me. Hmm. Uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi, to me, I think more and more as I watch it, is my favorite of the Star Wars movies, to be honest. It's the one that does the most for me as an adult right now. And um, very quickly coming up behind that in, in second is really Rogue One. That does a lot for me as an adult. And I think those two movies out of all of the Star Wars titles that have been made are the least like what my idea of a Star Wars movie is. And so I I think, you know, I think about this weird relationship that we have with uh, Star Wars over the course of, you know, 37 years on the planet that I I get older and I change and the things that I want out of movies are a little bit different that really um, push me to think and engage with them. And 
uh, that being said, I still enjoy a good time at the movies with a Star Wars feeling movie. And I think The Rise of Skywalker feels like a Star Wars movie to me. Do you, do you know why Episode Eight and Rogue One are your favorite? Why is that? Because you're not a real fan. Yeah, there's a lot of that that's been going around. You know, those same people <laughs> who say that are the ones who ran uh, 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 Kelly Marie Tran off of social media. No, no, no. I am not. I am not with those people. I am not with those people at all. Most I think it's okay. All, all I want to say before I think because we've gone on too much. All I want to say is that I, I think really truly you cannot like the Last Jedi. I cannot be for you and. And really where people run into trouble there is that they say too many hateful things about the women at the center of the movies there. And and I think that if you can separate your distaste for uh, women, one's distaste for women leading the center of a movie versus that story just didn't work for me. Nobody's ever judging you for not being a good person or anything like that. Like, it's okay to not like The Last Jedi. It's also okay to not like The Rise of Skywalker because it didn't do what The Last Jedi was doing. It didn't deliver on what you felt like the the Star Wars universe might become. Um, it's okay to not like any of these movies. Just don't be a dick and don't hate women. Um, and uh, that's about it uh, in, in that terms. Um, okay, so on that note. I do just want to be clear, though, that I love The Last Jedi. I do not have a problem with The Last Jedi. At all. I was just teasing you. No, no, no. I heard I what mean, you said. I mean, you're not a fan, but you, I'm just teasing you. You hate you're, women. And um, Ryan Johnson Definitely. ruined the Star Wars universe. No, but do you know what? In all seriousness, and I thought about this earlier and then I didn't, uh, we kind of transitioned away from it. Um, I think that the reason that The Last Jedi is a little bit of a problem for me, and and I love the film. But, it, but when you sort of back up and look at this at the franchise as a whole, the reason it's a little bit of a problem is because when they set out to make A New Hope, George Lucas had already written all three um, you know, stories. He knew exactly how that trilogy was going to go, and so they're very tight and cohesive. And with the prequels, while nobody in their right mind would call those movies tight, they at least knew where their end point was, and a lot of that canon had already been laid out by... Um, the original trilogy and so they are still sort of all working towards a common goal and the fact that there are two different directors and different screenwriters in the new trilogy is a problem well there are multiple screenwriters in the original trilogy and three different directors across the course of the original star wars trilogy but it's all george lucas's vision it's well yeah i mean i don't entirely disagree with that but there are definitely more creative hands um in in the mix and i think of all of the star wars properties and of the trilogies themselves the um uh the prequels one through three are by far the most consistent in tone and story and plot um they are the most solid creation love them or hate them they're the most consistent um and i think what's weird about the last jedi personally is that like the entire star wars universe runs on believing in hope and winging it a hope and a prayer we can save a rebellion and the last jedi goes to great lengths to establish the narcissism that is invested in the idea that you can wing it on a hope and a prayer and save tens of thousands of lives um and i love that but that's not a Star Wars movie. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Anyways. All right. Let's wrap up the episode because I think we're at 14 hours right now. Oh, 14 hours. One more thought. <laughs> um, I was going to say that oh, you were talking for so long. I forgot about my thought. Sounds like me. 
does sound like him. <laughs> I was going to say that anybody who says... I was going to say that anybody who says that the movies are terrible, be- that the new movies are terrible because there's female roles are really, like, is the word that I'm looking for racist? Misogynist is the word you're looking for. Mouth-breathing basement dweller also works. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it is. It is. It is. Ray's a great character. The movies are a lot of fun. Um, oh. And they do a lot of work with her in the same way that they did with Luke at the in the original trilogy. I I, I think that this series is as fun as, as the original also, ever was. I was also going to say that some of the similarities that I thought was going to happen in the movie do, like Ray's outfit, the tech, the, it's is really similar to Luke's. Like he has like like that, and then he was always training like he wanted to be a Jedi and she had that baton thing that she knew how to use like a Jedi saber. And then she also has connections like, like his dad was one of the great, like Luke's dad was one of the greatest villains in the universe. And then Ray's dad is the greatest worst like empire thing in the universe. And like, that's a similarity. Plus, when they're fighting, even though she didn't lose a hand or none of them lost a hand, one of them still got hurt and then got fixed. Just like when Luke gets his hand chopped off, he's hurt, but then he gets fixed by the machines with the robot hand. Yep. Uh, All right, can I wrap it up? Yeah, make sure it's Darth Vader wrapping it up. (laughs) I mean, no. You killed him. (laughs) He's dead. Darth Vader's gone. Right. Okay. So uh, I think that's going to do it for The Rise of Skywalker. Um, Let us know what you thought of the new Star Wars movie. I understand that there might be some controversy on whether or not people loved it or hated it. Um, That's all good. Uh, We're curious on everybody's opinions, especially what did your kids think of it? Because that's been a really fascinating journey for me to watch uh, Claire's appreciation and interest in the saga grow and how it is definitely different than my own and how neat i think that is um join us next week we'll be back with creature from the black lagoon to finish up our universal horror dive and uh, after that we'll be getting into the films of alfred hitchcock so stay tuned lots of exciting things on the way if you don't already follow us you can find the podcast on twitter at b-a-c-e-a podcast and uh, you can also find upcoming films on my Letterboxd. I'm back on Letterboxd at WB Das. I'll be doing more with that this year. So if you want to know what's coming down the pike, we often watch in advance. And I will be maintaining a list of Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures movies there. If you haven't rated or reviewed our podcast wherever you listen to it, please do that. But if you have some time, we'd love it if you could go over to iTunes and drop us a five-star review there. Um, That is the kind of help that only listeners like you can provide. Um, And it's something that will absolutely help us uh, grow as we seek to expand our audience. Claire, you have your hand up. Don't be like Vader and be a good person and watch this podcast and subscribe and put a five-star rating. Exactly. Don't be a Vader. Give us five stars. Don't be a hater. Don't be a Vader. Be a, be a clarinator. <laughs> All right. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So on that note, until next time, don't be a Vader. Don't be a hater either. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
course, there's Netflix. All right, now that that's ticket odor with, 